0: Every life and every person has a story, but do we take the time to read it? Every single person. And you know what's amazing? How many of us, and, and I know this is really like other people out there in the world, but how many of us have ever judged someone? Like didn't even really know them but prejudged them and said, you know, I don't like this person, I don't like that person. They look funny, they sound funny, they stink, this, that, and the other. How many of us have ever, and now I want you to raise your hand, Sam, but how many of us have ever (laughs) at least prejudged one person before we knew them? And then how many of us have ever (laughs) prejudged? Wow. I thought you said you could take it. How many of us ever prejudged one person and then somehow got to know that person and said, you know what? I was totally stinking wrong. You know, every single person on this planet is special. Every single person on this planet, their life means something. Every heart, mind, soul, no matter what we look like, no matter what we sound like, no matter if we have good B.O., bad B.O., you know, no matter if we have a house, apartment, trailer, or if we're sleeping outside in the rain, unfortunately right now for some of the people, every single life has a story. Every single person their life, it speaks. Chick-fil-A did this video because this is what they, before um, someone is put on, whether it's a cash register person or whatever, they go through this training because they want their employees to think of every single person as they walk through the, those doors that they're important and their life means something. And here's an organization, right? It's, it's semi-fast food and it's good. Their fries are good. Their crispy, spicy chicken sandwich on whole grain buns, delicious, right? But more than the food, what about the message that they share? Every life matters. Not, not, not certain lives matter, right? It's every life matters. And if I could just take time to read each person's story. Because all of us in the here, you know, we're compassionate, we're giving, we're caring people. And if we honestly knew what every single person, every single story, I think we would care about a lot more people many of us we, we allow a certain circle into our life, and that's the only circle because we know them. We've grown to love them, trust them, right? Family and friends. But I think our circle would become bigger if we took time to listen, to hear how special every single person is on this planet. It's twenty twenty three. Our theme in January is Kickstart January. And this morning, this is so exciting. Turn to everyone says it's so exciting because Today, we get to spend time on the one. Turn to your neighbor and say the one, the one, the one and the only. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to start in verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. And so he called together his servants. He entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another and one bag of silver to the last divided in proportion to their abilities and then he left on his trip the servant who received the five bags of silver he began to invest the money and earned five more the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more the servant who received the one bag of silver though he dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money after a long time the master returned long time master returned from his trip called them to give an account of how they'd used his money. The servant to whom he'd entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I've earned five more. The master was so full of praise. Well done, my good faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling small amount. Now I will give you the many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Let's party. Verse 22, the servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said master you gave me two bags of silver to invest and i've earned two more verse 23 the master said well done my good and faithful servant you've been faithful in handling this small amount now i'll give you many more responsibilities let's celebrate together then the servant with one bag of silver came and said master i knew you're a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant gathering crops you didn't cultivate I was afraid I'd lose your money, so I hid it in the earth, and here is your money back. Last verses. Master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, take the money from the servant, give it to the one with 10 bags of silver, to those who use well what they are given even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant out into utter darkness, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, so here's the one, and we get to this point, finally, we started this theme three weeks ago, and we looked at the guy with five, we looked at the person with two, and then we finally get to the one. This is actually the best part, absolutely best part, says best part, best part ever. You know, here's three men, and they're given a chance in life to shine. Their boss, he's three employees, and he wanted to give these employees a different opportunity to shine. He gave them all money, and he said, here's some money. Let's see what you do with this money. Now I don't know about you, but if I was an employee of a company, and, and let's say my job was to be a janitor, right, and, and so I cleaned up and I mopped, and I took out the trash, and I did all those things. And one day my boss came to me and said, you know what, I wanna see what else you can do. I'm gonna give you $2 million. Would we be excited for an opportunity to go from a janitor into a financial investor? Wouldn't that be an exciting, right? You're going from one to the next. And so here's three guys, and we don't know what they did for their boss before this, but at this moment, we know that their boss comes to them Here's 1.8 million, here's 3.6, right? Here's 7.2 million. I want to see what you're going to do with what I give you now. They had three opportunities. They were given the chance to shine. They had a job. This is their boss. They get to do something different. It's the break from the norm. And how many of us have ever said, I love something new, I love something different, I just need an opportunity, I just need the winning numbers to the lotto, I just need a chance, I just need a better this, I just need a better this, right? This was the moment, because they all were given a, a, an opportunity to do something they've never done before. So with all of that, then why is it there's one guy, there's always one guy, right? There's always one guy and one girl, right? There's always one guy one girl. Right? Two out of the three men in the story doubled their money. And in this day, it was simple to do. Walk into the bank, hand them the money, automatic double. Bam, easy. In this day because people didn't have much capital and they needed the banks needed capital to work right to lend to do all those things and in this day the temple if you brought your money into the temple you would they would take your money and they'd put it to work because they would exchange money for all the people who come to jerusalem and so it was simple it was so easy to make money it was so easy just like today right for all of us you know who are entrepreneurs who are out there making money just like then, it was so easy and so simple. Two out of the three, doubled it. But one guy, one guy, one guy, what did he do? He dug a hole, $1.8 million, and he stuck it in the ground, and then he covered it up. And then I love when his boss comes back, because I'm thinking, you know, if, if I didn't wanna do what my boss wanted me to do, We start thinking of excuses, right? So my boss gives me a job. I really don't want to do it. And so what do we do? We start coming up with reasons why we don't want to do something for our boss. This guy, this was his excuse. I didn't, I was afraid to lose your money, boss. I was afraid to lose it. I was afraid. Isn't that a good excuse? I was afraid. I was fearful. I was afraid. So I dug a hole, and I put it in the ground, and I covered it up. I don't know about you. I know they didn't have cell phones back then, but I would be afraid someone's going to go find or they were watching and see me dig a hole and put it in the ground and then take it and run off with it, right? Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's a lame kind of excuse. I was afraid. I was afraid. And I wonder how many of us would come up with a better excuse. You know, my dog ate it, right? How many of us used that one in high school, right, when we didn't want to do our homework And you know, the craziest thing, you know, I had a couple dogs when I was younger, and then I didn't have a dog for a long time. But then when we finally got a dog, um, they really do eat homework. I mean, they eat, I mean, they'll eat whatever you lay out. I mean, so where kids used to come to class and say, my dog ate my homework, I thought they were all liars. But no, I know some of those were telling the truth because if you let them, those dogs will eat the homework. That's a popular excuse. How many of us would say, you know, boss, um, I was busy. I had some family stuff. I had COVID, so I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. You know, I was sick and I was ill, and so I couldn't do what you asked me to do. I had, I had so many family things going on. My family life, it was extremely busy, and so it was just easier for me to dig a hole and put it in the ground than to do what you asked me to do. God, I was helping my friends. I had to help my friends. My friends were really important, as you know. And so I had to help my friends out. And so the three weeks, the month, however long you were gone, I was just busy with my friends. I was helping people. Boss, here it is. I was helping the homeless. I was building shelters for them for four weeks. See, this, this guy had a boss and gave him one job to do. He had an opportunity. But for whatever reason, that opportunity, he decided I'd rather not. And so he came up with an excuse. Many are like us today. I think we make excuses why we don't do what God asks us to do. And kind of like the man in the story, it's easier just to bury what God's given to us and put it in the ground, cover it up, walk away and say, we're just too busy, God. We're just too busy. And so this morning, I want to turn to one more story. I want to look at another guy. Turn to the neighbor and say another guy. Luke chapter 10. Starting at verse 30, and this is a beautiful story. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up. They left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed the other side of the road, and he passed him by. A temple assistant, which is an assistant to the priest, walked over, looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. And then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. The man put him on his own docking, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, two days wages, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I am here. Verse 36, now which of these three will you say was a neighbor to the man that was attacked by bandits. Jesus asked, the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, go and do the same. And so Jesus tells a story based on a question. There was a man who came to Jesus. He said, Jesus, what must we do to inherit eternal life? What should we do? It's a popular question. It's a good question. What should we do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds to him by says, well, how do you read the law? And so then the religious experts said, we should love God all of our heart, mind, soul with everything that we have and love our neighbor as ourself. This is something that Jewish people knew very well. They sang it, they prayed it, those simple things right there. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. Every day, those things were ingrained in their brain, in their heart, mind, and soul. So how easy, if someone asks you the question, How do I inherit eternal life? Jesus responds, well, how do you read it? For them to reply with those very words. And Jesus says, you're correct. And he wasn't meaning that we inherit eternal life by what we do, but by the internal love, the reflection of the love that we have in here. And Jesus, I love this, and this is so amazing, because Jesus is about to flip the script in here. He says, listen, let's define who a neighbor is. And the crazy part of this story, Jesus is so descriptive, and Jesus is so vivid in his imagery. In this story here, Jesus talks of a man going on a trip. And in the trip that he's going from Jerusalem, the temple area, down to Jericho. Jericho is where many rich people live. Turn to your neighbor and say rich people. You know, those kind of people. He was flipping the script in this story, and he's describing and in the very – and I have to point out Jericho, and I have to point out rich people, because the, the first man who walks by and he sees someone who's hurt and half dead, the journey, the journey, it's from 2,500 feet above sea level down to 800 feet below sea level. It's very rocky, It's rigid. It's rough. It's easy for people to get jumped and beat up on this road. And so Jesus paints this picture, and he says there's a man who gets robbed. He gets beat up. He gets left half dead. And he said, there just happened to be a priest. There just happened to be a pastor walking by. Now, the guy notices they're the same. They're both Jewish. They're brothers. But for a priest, if he was to touch somebody who he thought could be dead, it could make him an unclean priest, and he wouldn't be able to do his duties anymore. And so as he sees this man, half dead, lying on the side, didn't want to know if he was fully dead or not, what did he do? Afraid to lose his job. Turn to your neighbor and say, you lose your job. We don't want to do that. He keeps on walking. The next person, and I forgot to mention, for the priest, many priests worked in Jerusalem, but they lived in Jericho. Why? Because that's where the, where lived? Rich people, right? So here's a guy, Jesus painting the picture. And then he paints the picture with his assistant, assistant pastor, assistant preacher, assistant priest walks by. Again, sees a man, half dead, lying there. And what does he do? Keeps on walking, even though they're brothers. Even though they're maybe cousins, distant cousins, you know, third removed. Who knows? We have no idea. But the assistant keeps on walking. And then Jesus says the word Samaritan. And every Jewish person at that moment starts to get uneasy. Jews consider Samaritans Half-breeds, they hated, despised, disliked each other. So everyone in that moment all of a sudden tightened up. Oh, my gosh, what did he say? Samaritan? He's a half-breed. And for this man, he sees someone, and he's the first out of the three who takes time to read the story of this person who's half-dead. Here's the first time a man... Even though he recognizes he's not a Samaritan like me, he's a Jewish brother, he's hated, I don't like him, but I'm going to look past that because he needs my help, because he needs me. It says he pours olive oil, that soothes a wound. He pours wine, wasn't trying to get him drunk, because that's a disinfectant. He picks the man up, he puts him on his donkey, he takes him to an inn. It says he even took care of him there for a little bit. And then he gave the innkeeper two days' wages. And he says, I'm gonna be back here next week. And if the bill runs higher, I will give you the difference. Now, why would a half-breed, why would somebody who's racist, why would somebody who's hated, despised, disliked, why would he out of the three be the only one to show Compassion. Now, see, we had two stories. Our first story that we've been reading, two out of the three, they were given an opportunity, and they did something. In our first story, there was one guy who said, no thanks. And in today, our story is also about three guys. But in this story, there was one man, one guy, who decided to do something about an opportunity there was one guy who decided i need to do something here jesus flips the script with these two stories and he decides to paint this picture of loving people no matter what they look like no matter what they sound like Jesus used stories. He used parables. He used principles. He lived it. Jesus taught it. God Himself, when He came here, He got down in the dirt. He spit on the ground to open a blind man's eyes. We know that Jesus, He spent time with people that nobody liked, nobody wanted to be around. Jesus, God Himself, when He was here, He did the dirty work that no church person, no priest, no Levites, absolutely wanted to do. It's sad because in this story, our second story, we had two men that they were afraid to lose their job, afraid to lose their job over helping somebody. This might look funny if I help this person. This might sound funny if I help this person. Jesus, I believe, you know, in this story, kind of redefining the church, the mission and the purpose, what he's called us to. You know, today, kind of like the story of the Good Samaritan, I feel like sometimes churches can become like a glee club. And sometimes it can become even like a babysitting club. You know, and sometimes for, for pastors and leadership, kind of like the guys that are described in the Samaritan story, that they want to entertain more than they want to help. I feel like for some churches today in our world, they want a place of entertainment, and they're hoping that you come in and that you pay for entertainment with your tithes and offerings god didn't make the church to be a place of entertainment he made the church to be a place paul says well not paul many speculate paul but in Mm -hmm. hebrews don't forsake getting together don't don't break the habit of meeting together come together and the words that the writer used there it's for inspiration it's to honor god we know that but it's for inspiration to help people like a hospital The writer of Hebrews paints the picture as the church a place like a hospital where sick people can come in and get help, where people who are well are there to motivate and inspire one another as we go out and fight the battle. Because how many of us know when we come into church on Sunday mornings, it's nice, it's bright, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. When the heat's working, right, when it's cold out, when it's hot, hopefully the air works and it's comfortable. But the moment we leave church, how many of us have seen hell breaks loose, how many of us have seen, as soon as we leave, there's things that happen to our friends, to our family. of us have seen and even in our world, just during the week. So many things happen during that time. And so the writer of Hebrews says, listen, stop making it a habit to neglect church. You need to be in church, and you need to be in church, one, to honor him, but two, to inspire and motivate your brothers, to inspire to motivate one another, to fight the fight, to keep fighting hard because the days are dark. Yes, they are, and they're horrible out there. And so we have to inspire one another. We need to be here one another. This isn't a religious glee club. We're not here to earn badges and get little stickers on the boards, right? We're not here for entertainment and hope that, and, and I believe me, I hope that you all get entertained. I do for coming in here, but that's not the purpose. That's not the reason that I want you to come into church. It's to hear the word of God. It's to worship. It's to lift your hands. And it's to talk amongst ourselves, to be here for one another, to pray for one another, that we are a church, that we're a people who cares, and we're here because Jesus defines the church, the mission, and our purpose. See, God's business, his kingdom, it's what? It's a people business. And God's people business, it's all about how do I love do i know your story do you know my story do we know one another's story do i know the homeless guy's story who's sleeping under the rain last night last week no do i know the hurting people that we pass how many hurting people do we pass every single day do i know their story probably not God's put us here to make a difference. God's put us here to be the one. You know, and I know for this guy, you know, the one guy in our first story, he did absolutely nothing. And, And maybe, you know, if we talk about him again, maybe he was a procrastinator. You know, we know that he gave him the excuse that he was afraid to make money. But maybe he was a procrastinator, and I'm going to do something for somebody else when I strike it rich, when I get my tax returns, when I do this, when I get this, when I get here, and I'm just going to put it off a little bit longer. And for that person, God's saying, don't put off what you can do today to wait for tomorrow for something else. God puts people in our life every single day, and it's our job as believers to read their story to take time how many of us have ever asked somebody how they're doing the response I'm doing good okay see you later have a nice day sayonara and how many of us leave it right there we do it a lot right we do it a lot and if we do that are we honestly being here for one another and so the past two weeks, we've been talking about the parable of the talents, and we've seen a man who was given five talents, and he doubled it. And so we took out our paper, and we wrote down five things that maybe I see about myself January 1st, and we five things that maybe God sees in me, five things that maybe I should leave at the cross in 2023, five things that I should do in 2023, because how many of us know January 1st? New Year, how many people write down their goals or they tell themselves, I'm going to write down my goals and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But how many of us as believers write down the goals that God wants us for this year? What, what's something different that I can do this year that I didn't do last? Maybe what's the one thing that God's asking me in 2023 this year that I didn't do last year? And so for many, you know, even our spiritual goals sometime becomes pretty much like our physical goals. No matter how many times we say we're going to work out to the gym, what happens? For many people, they buy the membership. For many people, they sign up. They go once or twice. They lift a couple weights, and then it hurts so bad so they don't go back. That hurt way too much. I can't give up the chocolate ice cream, right? So for many that paper those goals physically spiritually get tossed out our theme for this month the kickstart and it's asking God what is it you want to kickstart in me this is 2023 it's a new chance it's a new opportunity it's a new day so what is the things God that you want to kickstart in me something that needs to happen rapidly something that needs to move quickly something that I can improve upon what can you kickstart God in me and we talked about mirrors and I didn't bring one this morning because my dog was eating it and I tried to get it away from him and he was not budging and then I forgot. He's so sweet, he likes plastic, he likes hangers, plastic, whatever you can get his mouth on. He's such a bundle of joy. But we looked at mirrors last week, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the best of them all, right? Because how many people physically get stuck in a reflection of themselves instead of get stuck in the reflection of him? Mirror, mirror. We know that men, and I, I found this out and I was shocked out of my mind, that we spend more time in front of the mirror than women. 53.6 minutes where girls are 42-something, right? Supposedly on average. But yet how many of us physically are stuck in the reflection of ourselves instead of stuck on the reflection of him? And two things, we looked at two qualities like King David had, and he took those two qualities, and what did he do? He gave them to God, and God used King David to do great and mighty things. We talked about rubber bands, which I did bring one of those because that was easy to get. Right? And how many of us remember? That didn't go so well. It's still on my finger. Let's see if I can shoot, Kim. That was close. For a rubber band to be shot into the air, what has to happen? It needs to be stretched. And how many of us in the past five years, God has stretched us And maybe we didn't want to admit that it was him. How many of us think in the past five years, God has tried to rattle our cages a little bit, to shake up certain things? Because how many of us know that, honestly, there are things physically, mentally, spiritually that we allow to be concreted into our heart, mind, and soul? And sometimes, you know what that does? It creates comfort. Ah, We all love comfort. We like to be comfortable. That's why we have heaters and air conditionings. We like to be comfortable. We like the perfect temperature. We like the perfect seat, the perfect space. When, when I go somewhere, believe me, every time it's the same thing. If I'm in training, I'm on the front. I'm in the back, right? I'm doing computer work in the back, whatever. How many of us, when we go somewhere, we know our spot. We know where we're going to sit. We know everything. We're creatures of habit and comfort. But maybe in 2023, God's saying, in order for me to shoot you farther way beyond yourself, you need to let me stretch you this year. You need to look back at the past few years and see things that I was doing and saying as a point of reference to stretch you. How many of us love that verse, Isaiah forty thirty one? Those who mount up with wings like eagles, right? Those who trust in the Lord, those who wait upon the Lord will rise, will soar, That's one of the most quoted Bible verses ever, right? We love those. It's to those who wait, to those who trust, to those who fully give themselves over to them, they'll mount up on wings like eagles. And how many of us know the eagles, if you study an eagle, the eagle is one of the only animals that when a storm is coming, it doesn't run from the storm, it runs into the storm, so it uses its energy to what? Fly higher. We've been in a storm. We've been through crazy and amazing things, right, in the past five years. And what is it in those past, in these past five years that God is saying, I'm using it to propel you, to stretch you, to get you to do one thing. We saw this morning in our two stories, we had a guy who did nothing, and we don't know why, but he did nothing. Even though he was given over a million dollars, he did nothing. Decided, I don't want the opportunity. I want to do nothing. And I wonder this morning if the story, and Jesus is relating it to himself, God the Father, and giving us talents and giving us abilities. If God gave us one talent that would speak louder than everything else, have we buried it or have we used it for him? If there's one thing that God gave all of us, and it doesn't matter who we are, what we've done, and where we've been. It doesn't matter. God doesn't look at our past. He looks at today and tomorrow. It doesn't matter the things that we've said. doesn't. God's a God who forgives, forgets, and moves on. God doesn't judge. God loves. But his love is so intoxicating that everyone who takes a drink of his love, they don't ever go back. Every single person who tastes and sees how great and amazing God's love, they will never go back to anything else because God is so good. And for us this morning, how many of us, God has given us at least one ginormous, amazing talent, ability. And the question is, have we dug it and buried it in the ground or are we using that to advance his kingdom? We're all given opportunity. In our second story, we see a man. We saw a man who it was the unlikely. It was the hated. And for this guy, he became the one out of about everyone. This man became the one who said, I'm going to make a difference. Whether I like you or not. I'm gonna make a difference whether my people, my family, whether they hate your family, you hate my family, doesn't matter. I see a need, (laughs) I'm gonna meet the need. I see you're hurting, I see you're struggling, and I'm going to do something. You know, and I think sometimes, you know, this morning we're gonna wrap up here in a minute, but I think sometimes what happens is we compare ourselves to other people. Have you ever listened to someone and said, I can probably do it better than them. I can cut hair better. I can cook better, I can do this better. And so maybe for the guy in the story of the parable of the talents, maybe he's looking at the other two and maybe he's saying, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna see how they do and then I'm gonna outwork them, but it didn't get the chance. I wonder if we, if we kind of like that have ever compared ourselves to someone else and so we're waiting on other people, we're waiting for things to change, we're waiting for other people to change before we can change. How many times do we spend comparing ourselves to somebody else in other people's life when it's not, God didn't make it that way. God put you here on your journey with him, just like he put me on this journey with him. And we don't have to compare ourselves. We can encourage one another, but we don't have to compare ourselves. We're different. We're unique. We're special, right? We're amazing. And so as we start to wrap up, we see in this story, there was the guy who, for whatever reason, maybe he was comparing, maybe he was judging, maybe he was just ignoring, maybe he was even rebelling against his master for his own reasons, he did nothing. Don't be that guy, don't be that girl, don't be that person who says, I don't have to, I don't have to be nice, I don't have to be kind, I don't have to give, I don't have to serve, I don't have to work have to do that for the good Samaritan we know he gave his time his energy and his money and so at the end of the day really the biggest question is which one am I more like the one who did something or the one who did nothing the one who did something Matthew 1230, it says, anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working for me is actually working against me. These are the words of Jesus. He said, anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Ouch. If we're not doing the work that Jesus put us here to do, Jesus said what? You're working against me. And so we live in this time, Matthew twenty four thirty seven. It says, when the Son of Man returns, it's going to be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, people were enjoying banquets, parties, and weddings right up the time Noah entered the boat. And people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. This is how it will be when the Son of Man comes. And this is the day and this is the time that we live in where people, we've become more busy about our lives instead of busy living the life he's put us here to do one life we only have one shot at this we're here today and we could be gone next week two years five years ten years there is only one the most satisfying the most gratifying the best of the best that we can be is not what we build for ourselves but it's what we build for him we're not saved by works we're not saved by what we do But Apostle James, he said, listen, we're not saved by works, but if you're not working at all, what did Jesus say? If you're not working, you're actually working against me. Good things are a reflection of the good that he's done to us. That's it. And so we know that these last days are going to be busy, and we're living in the last days. But have we become so busy with ourselves that we forgot to be busy for him? You know, after that story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus goes on and it's a story of Martha and Mary, as many of us know that story where Jesus comes to a house and he's hanging out and he's fellowshipping and they're cooking prime rib and it's just about done. And so Martha's in there and she's slicing up the prime rib. She's got the horseradish, the jus ready. She's got mashed potatoes and she's got, you know, baby carrots with the stem on the end, they're beautiful, they're long, they're wonderful and asparagus for those who need that. But her sister Mary was hanging out with Jesus. And so Martha gets upset, and she gets frustrated. And she goes to Jesus. She says, look at my sister. She's doing nothing. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're concerned about so many things, but you've lost sight of what's important. Mary found it, but you lost sight of it. And there's many in our world today who have lost sight of what's important. It's not about our religious glee club, and it's not about me, and it's not about my name, and it's not about church, a building. It has everything to do with us, the people, coming together to inspire, to motivate, to heal, to help everywhere that we possibly can in the community, God places, to be that good person, to say those good words, to be kind, to be forgiving, to be loving, to love people like the world depends on it. Because in life, we only have one shot. Because I was praying about 2023 and I was asking God, what is, a, what's a good thing? God, what is the thing that you want me to focus on this year? You know, he gave me the line, it is what we make it. And if you look at the parable of the talents, there was three men given an opportunity to do something, to be creative with what they were given. Your life. And there's times where it feels like we have less. And there's times where it feels like we have more. And there's times where we look at other people and it looks like they have more and they're doing better. And, and I wish I could do that. And I wish I could be this. There's so many times where you get focused on so many things. God's saying, just stop and take advantage of what you have right in front of you. It will be what you make it. And he gave me four words to focus on love, to focus on giving, to focus on serving, to focus on building. Right? For us, real simple, 2023, it's going to be what we make it. How will you create with what God's given you to create?